Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the dynamic Joe Fordyce. The Flyers season is over. 2021-22 is in the books. The team finished in the bottom four of the NHL standings. A dreadful year for the club. 25-46-11 overall. And this busy, unknown offseason has officially commenced for the Flyers. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Joe, Chuck Fletcher addressed the media on Tuesday in his end-of-the-season press conference. The GM had plenty to talk about, plenty to address, plenty to answer. Uh, this truly will be an active, aggressive offseason where I think just about anything can happen. I've Never seen an offseason with so many question marks in my team. My time covering the team, uh, a lot can happen. What was your biggest takeaway from Chuck Fletcher's media availability, Joe? He discussed a lot from retool, not rebuild, from uh, the next head coach. As we know, Mike Yo will not be back, so they have to hire a head coach first, and then I think everything will follow from there. Well, you know, when you just mentioned there in, in your time covering the team, the uh, so many question marks. I mean, there are really only a couple other times where I can remember these kinds of questions being surrounding this team. One of them was the the, the tumultuous offseason with Eric Lindros before he got traded to the Rangers. And the other was um, surrounding when they, when they decided to change the face of the franchise and trade Mike Richards and Jeff Carter at the same time. Now, I don't think we're quite at that level because those two uh, instances that those involve changing the face of the franchise right now. I'm not really sure what the face of the franchise is. So it's kind of like they need to establish a face of the franchise and identity. And I think we've talked about on this, this podcast before that this team needs an identity. That is a big, big question mark going into the off season. What do we want to be? What what are our goals and who are the guys that are going to get us there? And you heard Chuck Fletcher yesterday say when it came to hiring a new coach that they they are still in the process of coming up with a plan to, you know, he said they were going to map out a profile of the coach that they want. So I really feel like this is as close to – while the term aggressive rebuild is being thrown around, that statement about the coach, it's almost as if the Chuck Fletcher was saying, we're really starting from scratch here. We're going to start from here. And the first thing we need to do is draw up a profile of the coach that we want and then see who is available that fits into that profile. And, you know, I, I'm not sure that aggressive retool really goes with the message that Chuck Fletcher was conveying yesterday, but I do agree with him that when he came, when it came to 
the message to the fans when he said, we're not asking anybody to wait five or seven years and that you can turn things around rather quickly. Um, I think it's possible, but you you really, really need to have a high batting average on your offseason moves for that to be possible. Because you take a look at the Rangers, uh, and I'm using them as an example, because five years ago they sent a message to their fans that they were rebuilding. And now they are – I understand they lost game one in triple overtime last night. So I'm not talking about last night, but they're in position to – make a run potentially at a Stanley Cup five years later. And I don't feel like they really missed on a lot of their moves, and it still took five years. So um, it, it's it, it takes, like I said, you need a high batting average. And my big takeaway was that an aggressive retool is going to have to be mighty aggressive considering that you're starting from scratch with the coach because I think, you know, it doesn't sound like they're close to hiring a coach yet. And I think until you can do anything else, and obviously there are players still involved in the playoffs, it's not like you can go out and start signing guys. So once we get to the summer, I mean, we saw last summer, the activity in terms of players was fast and furious. So it it's going to have to be another sort of like sprint in the offseason because there's other teams too. You're not doing this in a vacuum. So there's a lot of teams that are also trying to retool. There's teams that are, quite frankly, closer than you are. So you're going to have to – you're going to have to do a little bit of a sell job on your team because there are teams like – and I'm just thinking about because – they're one of the last teams the Flyers played, like a team like Winnipeg. They might be a piece away. So a prospective free agent, you might have to go and say, okay, why would why do you want to come to the Flyers as opposed to a team that's one piece away? And you need to come up with your pitch to that free agent. Uh, now, I mean, the ultimate pitch is money, but, you know, there's – you never know what the free agency – landscape is going to look like um and a lot of people think you know johnny gaudreau nazim Kadri, these guys are are the big guys that are out there but here's the thing both of those players just to name a couple are on teams that have are poised for long playoff runs so you know it's it's really there is a tall task and i thought last season last off season was the tallest task that I had seen, I don't think it really compares to what they have to do this offseason because last season, last offseason, they had a coach um, and they seem to have with Drew and, and a healthy Couturier, you had an identity. And really, I mean, if you look at it, what are your sure things going into next season? I'm not really sure what the answers are because. I mean, you have guys that are coming back from injuries and you don't know what they're going to be like. So it's it's going to be a busy one. You're really seeing how far the Flyers have fallen. Last year, it, it really doesn't compare. It really doesn't to the last offseason. Uh, at least going into that offseason, the Flyers are coming off a season where they had more wins than regulation losses. They had a head coach with rich experience. They had a captain. 
they, they had at least things in place, things you could kind of supplement and build around. Right now, you just have question after question after question. And they are truly starting from square one by trying to find what kind of coach they want. Now, do I think they have already started? Yes. Uh, I think that they are looking at an ideal candidate profile, what Chuck Fletcher said, and they're going to build that. But, I mean, they they fired Elaine Vigneault in December. They were out of playoff contention in January. So you can bet they have names in mind. You can bet those names in mind probably are aware of the Flyers opening. So they, they have started. But really, where do they go from here? You had Elaine Vigneault, top eight in wins, couldn't do it. You had Mike Yo, more of a hands-on guy, a little younger, uh, but with experience, couldn't really get this thing going. Before Chuck Fletcher's days, they had Dave Haxtell. They went the unconventional route. This young, inexperienced guy out of college known for player development. That didn't work. So really, like they're trying to figure out what in the world they want in their next head coach. And that's a huge decision um, before all the bigger ones come next. So it's starting from square one for the Flyers. And I will say, a lot of hockey people don't like to concede. They don't like to concede and say, we're fully rebuilding we're, we're not going to be competitive. Um, they don't typically concede and say that stuff, but it doesn't mean they're not going to do it. I do think everything's on the table. I do think Chuck Fletcher can make some really loud decisions, big moves. I think he's really going to look at everything. But conceding and saying we're in a full rebuild doesn't really help a ton because it doesn't help you really attract big players. It doesn't help you in free agency. It doesn't really send a great message to the players already in-house who want to be competitive and want to win. So aggressive retools may be a nicer way to say it, but I really do think everything is on the table. They're going to look at all avenues. Uh, they're going to try to get better, and they want to be competitive, but I don't think they're guaranteeing anything in terms of we're going to make the playoffs next year. Uh, so I, I do think they, they could be in for a rebuild of sorts, but... Uh, but let's be honest, they've already bottomed out. Uh, sometimes the rebuild, you really have to strip it down and then go through losing. I mean, they're 29th in the league right now. They finished a point ahead of an expansion team. So they are already down pretty low, and now I think they're about building back up, and there could be a lot of decisions, I think, that play into that, Joe. And a couple signs of hope, and, and, and you know, the reason I brought the Rangers thing up was because what they did was so unprecedented by basically announcing – that they are rebuilding. Yeah. Um, now, it's a little like I think because New York and and they're you know they play right in the heart of New York City. It's a little different because you know they always have those seats filled at the Garden, mm -hmm. and you know there's so many people. And if those people don't go, then other people go. I mean, we've seen it with the Knicks. The Knicks are perennially one of the worst franchises in sports in recent years. And there's they're packed, the garden is packed for every game. So I do feel like the Rangers are different in that they can announce that and not worry about it affecting, you know, ticket sales and sort of things like that. Um, the other sign of hope I will I will bring up, and, and it actually just came to me as we were talking about this. I remember before the season, the LA Kings were talking about how there was all kinds of speculation if they would deal Drew Doughty, a, a, a veteran defenseman who is on the downside of his career, and he said he didn't want to be part of a rebuild. 
that Kings team, who clearly was not expecting to have a great season, is now in the playoffs. They won game one of their series in Edmonton. So it just shows you, you can turn things around along the lines of what Chuck Fletcher said yesterday about, you know, it's we're not asking people to wait five or seven years. Now that, I mean, Drew Doughty's not playing for the Kings because he's injured, but just to, going into the season, that was a team that looked like a, uh, a team that was set for a rebuild. And next thing they're in the playoffs, they win game one on the road against Edmonton, who I, I it had been, I, if I'm not off the top of my head, I think it had been multiple months since Edmonton lost the game at home. Yeah. And the Kings went in there in game one and won at, in Edmonton. And this is a team people were expecting to rebuild. So they're in hockey, maybe even more than other sports, you can turn things around. And the other thing with hockey is their playoffs. If you get into the dance, you have a chance. And that's not generally the way it works in the NBA or the NFL, uh, or really baseball for that matter. Yeah. But, you know, in the NHL, we saw within the last decade, the, the the Kings with Mike Richards and Jeff Carter were an eight seed, and they went and won the Stanley Cup. So it's – things can happen. So there's definitely reasons for optimism. Um, so I don't, I don't think hope is lost. Um, but again, this is a this is the most important, probably the most important offseason easily within the last 10 to 15 years, I think, in this franchise's history. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. It is a massive, massive offseason. Every offseason is important, but this one just feels a lot bigger. And it comes with just a crazy number of question marks of what this team will do to try to get back into relevancy, back into competitive uh, standing, and get people back in seats. Uh, we saw it. Attendance took just a crazy hit this year. Uh, I've never seen anything like it in my time covering the team where the arena was that empty, the crowds were that sparse. Um, it was telling. It, it, this is what happens when you slump that far. But I, I understand where the Flyers are thinking they can possibly get better quicker because they do have some young talent that they drafted and that they feel like is getting closer. They do have some players in like their early 20s that could be taking strides. And you you have like you have Sean Couturier and Ryan Ellis under contract. Like Sean Couturier is 
new big extension kicks in next year. Ryan Ellis still has five years left on his deal. These are huge players. First line center, do it all guy, top pair defenseman, do it all guy. Now they're big question marks. Katoria is coming off a of back surgery. He looks healthy right now, and all signs point to him being healthy to start the season. Ryan Ellis, a ton of concern around his injury. It's he called it multi-layered. It's all in that pelvic region. It took them a while to figure out exactly what was happening, but they believe they have a plan in place for him to get better and be ready for training camp. Now, will he be the same player when he gets back? Who knows? Will How quickly will it take for him to be the same player? Could there be roadblocks? These are all things that need to be answered, but those are two big players. So if you get those two big players back, big ifs, but if you get them back and you have some young players take strides, it's possible you can get better quickly. So I think there's that's just why the Flyers are not coming out and saying, yep, we need to strip it down and start from, from, from square one. When in reality, I do think they internally believe they, they have a lot of decisions to make and everything is on the table. I do think that is true. But it doesn't look great to come out and just say, we're rebuilding, we think everything stinks, uh, we're in serious danger mode. When I think they do have some qualities here and there that they believe can help them push forward. Uh, but a lot of ifs and a lot of things to be answered. Joe, if you if you look at one area this offseason for the team that they really need to address, where is it for you? Because I think on defense, it could be there. But a lot of that hinges on the health of Ryan Ellis. Uh, if Ryan Ellis is back healthy, then maybe it's up front. Where, where do you see it in your eyes? To, to me, it's goal scoring. You need a a goal scorer. Cam Atkinson's a goal scorer, but I'm talking about, you know, I mentioned earlier Johnny Gaudreau. He's coming – he'll be coming off a career season. He's a hometown kid. Somebody to get the fans and everyone excited – the problem is that guy is coming with a massive, massive price tag, uh, regardless of who it is. I'm not speaking just of Johnny Gaudreau. But you need a guy that – we talked about identity. And, you know, when you look around the league, and I'm not comparing this guy to other people, but you look at a team like the Capitals, their identity starts with Alex Ovechkin. When you look at a team like the Penguins, their identity starts with Sidney Crosby. I don't believe Sean Couturier is a player on the level where you can say that's our identity, him. I think he's a good 1A. I don't know that he's a good 1. I think you need a your top forward, and your identity is almost like a fam, like a tree, and it starts with him at the point and you know goes downward. And I think they need that guy that's at the top. And um, those guys aren't easy to find. Those guys come with massive price tags. But when you look around the playoffs, um, the teams that are in the playoffs, the teams that people think will be contending, um, most of the teams outside of maybe Minnesota have one or two of those guys. And I'll even say with Minnesota, you have Kaprizov, he, but he's a really young player. And, you know, um, so – it's not saying that one of the players the Flyers have couldn't develop into being one of those guys, particularly Farabee. He seems to be the only guy that would be on a, tr uh, you know, a track like that. But I do, I do think your identity it has to start with a superstar player. 
And I don't think this team has one right now. And, um, you know, to me, that's your, that's your biggest thing. You need to, you need to go, you need to go get a guy uh, where if you're going into a playoff series, the other team goes, that's the guy that we need to focus on, you know, and I'm thinking of the Rangers with Panarin. I mentioned Crosby, obviously, uh, but Colorado is McKinnon and, you know, on and on and on. You have the teams in the playoffs. Obviously, Edmonton is McDavid and Dreisaitl. Now, these are super, superstar players, and I'm not suggesting you're going to go out and get a player of that caliber, but you you need to get somebody in the realm. And I look at a team like St. Louis – they don't have a guy. They don't have anybody that's McDavid or Crosby, but they have a lot of guys that are would be considered superstars, or I shouldn't say a lot, but a few, and guys you can lean on. Um, and I I really think that's where this team needs to start to establish an identity, and that would be my number one thing going into the offseason. I agree. I think goal scoring is huge. They just didn't have it this year. They're lacking in that area in so many ways. They have playmakers, some good, some solid playmakers, some good guys that can create offense from the back end, uh, but they don't have finishers right now. Tyson Forcer, I think, is a kid that they're hoping will eventually be that, but he's still young. He's coming off a year that was marred by a shoulder injury that required surgery. Started playing some junior hockey at the end of the year, but, you know, Maybe he makes his NHL debut next year at some point, but I don't think they view him as an NHL player. But a guy that's shoot first with an NHL shot, guy that can score from the circles, things that they need there. But they really do need goal scoring. And uh, Joe, I think goal scoring certainly excites fans. And that's one way to reinvigorate the fan base a little bit is maybe get a big-name goal scorer or a big-name playmaker, a name that can come in here that's still in his prime. But you said those players are not easy to find. And the Flyers have some players with money committed to them. So if you're going to do that, that's going to require a serious shakeup. You're going to have to part ways of pieces to get a piece like that. So just, again, another major decision. I think a big decision, too, will be what they do on defense. And I think the next month or so will be awfully telling in terms of Ryan Ellis's rehab. If his rehab is going well, over the next month or so before you hit July when free agency opens on the 13th and when trades start to happen, his rehab really has to go well. He has to be in a good place where the Flyers believe it's on track and he can be ready for training camp. If he hits a roadblock here or there or it's not looking like he could be ready, the Flyers need to act because they can't go in the next year without a Ryan Ellis. Like they, they can't it's it's a huge hole. They need to do at least something to shore up their defense because Ryan Ellis so much still hinges on his health and whether he'll be healthy and ready to go for training camp. Um so I think they're gonna kinda wait and see here over the next month or so where Ryan Ellis is and if he's not in good good shape in his rehab, then I think they're gonna have to address defense again and at least do something to put themselves in decent shape. Cam York is very good and a highly tattered prospect who I think they want in their opening night lineup, but they're still going to need some help there if Ryan Ellis isn't available uh, to start the season. 
So. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think there was a major trickle down this year. Yeah. I don't know that a single player was affected by Ryan Ellis's absence other than uh, more than Ivan Provorov. Yeah. I felt like his game, you know, really was on the brink of, of, uh, of blossoming, being paired with Ellis. And that absence, I, I felt like it really derailed things. And, you know, I. You saw Ivan get a little defensive in 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 his media availability at the end of season, and I I just I feel like I feel like that's a player who is possibly at a crossroads in his career, and I, first off, I think he's playing too many minutes, and I I feel like that had to do with Ryan Ellis's injury, um, and you know just when when you're going into a season planning on being a pair with a guy that's a really like a stalwart like Ellis and then that's not and there's inconsistencies in the pairings and your roles and power plays and all these things there's and and all of a sudden your season becomes something that was not the season you planned for and I just think nobody was affected as much as him so I think that's a big thing too um for Provorov moving forward is is, you know, uh, nobody was ever really able to accept uh, – Aside, I felt like Ristolainen and Sanheim were able to because they really tried to keep those guys together for a little while despite the injuries. And those guys seemed to um, settle in with their roles in this team. But I felt like everything else kind of got jumbled up and, you know, Provorov was most affected. Absolutely. And I think his frustration is just really high probably because he knows he does a lot, he's required to do a lot, and he hasn't had a consistent top pair partner now for two seasons. And he probably feels deep down that's weighing down his performance a little bit. Um, and that's fair. I mean, he does do a lot. Chuck Fletcher mentioned how he's not a polarizing figure within their team. So while right now maybe he's a polarizing figure among the media given kind of his agitation and his – his testiness to us throughout the season and certainly on cleanout day over the last weekend, he's not a polarizing figure within their team and with their group. They, they value him highly. And maybe Provorov's frustrated. He blocked the third most shots in the NHL this season. That's, that's a real hardworking, gritty type of quality that gets underappreciated. doesn't get valued as much maybe in the eyes of fans, but maybe he felt like he did a lot and he gets a little too much heat. But I will say Ivan Provorov, without a doubt, holds himself in a high regard. He believes he's the number one defenseman. He believes he does it all on the ice. Well, then he needs to be held to that standard in terms of the eyes of the fans and the media. And matter of fact is he, he was a minus 20 this year. It was the worst in his career. And he had stretches of play where he wasn't good. So if he views him that his if he views himself in that higher regard, he needs to be held to that standard as well. But I do think he does do a lot. He he is constantly under the microscope because he does so much. I mean, he's constantly going back to play the puck at, under pressure and, and get the Flyers going back up north, up the ice. He, he's, without a doubt, puts he's put in the situations most where he's under pressure and uh, has to make these critical plays that – sometimes result in a turnover. He's not perfect by any means. But, yeah, Provorov will be a huge decision 
going into the offseason. He's entering the fourth year of his six-year contract and wasn't drafted by this regime. So we'll see where that goes. Do the Flyers value? Do the Flyers realize or see him as a huge cornerstone to this thing still? And do they believe Ryan Ellis can be his partner? And is that their top pair? Do they not have to worry about that going into the offseason? Who knows? We will see. But it was interesting to see Provorov, you know, agitated and sort of snarky and sarcastic. And, you know, that's fine. Uh, that's how he was. And uh, we'll see how he feels going into next year and, and what his mindset is then. It, I will say he was in much better spirits to start last season when he had Ryan Ellis. Things were great. They were getting along. They were getting there to the facility at the same time. They were eating breakfast together. Uh, Provorov was in excited, positive spirits. And then he was not the rest of the way, but he also didn't have Ryan Ellis the entire season other than four games. So it's a big question mark with Provorov, Joe. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And that's one of the things that has to be um, answered this off season. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a lengthy list and um, you know, they don't have, you know, I understand their off season just began and the Stanley cup playoffs are still going on, but with the amount of things that need to be answered and they don't have a ton of time. Yeah. Um, so it, it's going to be an interesting few months. That's for sure. It was last year. And I think this year uh, there's even more in store. Indeed. And I don't envy the spot of Chuck Fletcher and, and their front office. Like to me, Joe, I feel like we're constantly debating what kind of player Konechny is, what kind of player Provrov is. Does Sanheim have another level to get to? Like these, these are tough questions to see. Are these players complementary guys? Are they major difference makers? Uh, can you see parting ways with them at this point? Or because, like, I mean, they're they're not kids anymore, but they're still young. And the yeah, and you know, it's there. those that handful of players you just brought up that we constantly talk about. What kind of you know, figuring out what they are. I feel like the only guy that answered questions this season and didn't create more was Travis Sanheim. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mentioned it several times. He needed to shed the young guy label and establish his role. And I feel like he did that. I'm not sure. I think everybody else you just mentioned, rather than answer questions, they may have created more questions with this past season. Um, we've talked, I mean, the consistency of Travis Konechny has been a talk, a topic for a number of seasons now. Mm. And you, you wonder when this is going to be answered. Um, so uh, again, you know, that's, it's an unenviable task, uh, this front office has, and that's not only evaluating guys they could bring in, but evaluating guys that are currently on the roster and what they are. And like I said, I feel like Sandheim's the only guy who answered questions this season rather than creating more. I agree. I could not agree more. Um, so the evaluation will pick up for the Flyers. Uh, it's just beginning for them. Uh, as the playoffs play out, they have a ton of evaluation ahead. And their first big decision will be hiring that next head coach, the next head coach to try to steer the Flyers back into contention. We'll have it all covered here on the Flyers Talk podcast. The offseason is going to be fun. It's going to be action-packed, and we'll make sure you have we have you all covered here on this podcast. Well, Joe Fordyce, thank you so much as always. Hope you get a chance to maybe enjoy the offseason a little bit and enjoy the playoffs. 
Great job on pre and post game live as always. And we'll be excited for next season, but thank you so much as always, Joe, a big thank you to Ben Barry, our podcast producer and guru as well for always being flexible with our time and Flyers fans as always. Thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen. And we can't wait to talk to you next time.